And now, it's time for Mr. College Football and Friends with Tony Barnhart. Greetings and welcome back to Mr. CFB and Friends. I'm your host, Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football. Thanks for all of you who listened in for our maiden voyage last week. It was a lot of fun, and we are glad to have you back. Now, last week we had a nice little appetizer of games in week zero, but this Saturday we're going to get the main course, okay? So before we get started, I want to make sure we thank our sponsor, APA Games, APBA, the unquestioned king of quality simulation products. You'll find them at APBA.com. All right, let's start here. Let's bring on the panel. So what did we learn from week zero, and what are we looking forward to in the week coming up, the first full Saturday of college football? Let's start with you, Mark Blauschen. What did you learn last week? What are you looking forward to this week? Well, I learned not to have Scott Frost coach any team that I want to have win a game uh, other than that. And then the other thing is I'm looking forward to, to all the big games, Georgia, you know, Notre Dame, Ohio State, you, you name it, across the board. We're, we're ready to play real football now. Last week was a good appetizer, and uh, now we're ready for the main course. Absolutely. Well, we're going to talk about Scott Frost <laughs> a little bit more on the show. It, it is one of the hot topics in this country. All right, let's go. Herb Gould. What did you learn last week, and what are you looking forward to this week? Well, Tony, you know, as, as Lau mentioned, I mean, there's just an incredible amount of pressure going on in Lincoln, Nebraska, and we thought maybe Scott Frost had uh, addressed it with some uh, portal players and some new coaches, but no, um, that's going to be a tough deal. And the other part is we learned that Northwestern is way better than ex expectations. Uh, I, as based on one game. So, you know, that's kind of exciting for them. What about you, Tom Lucci? What did you learn? I learned three quick things, Tony, that uh, Hawaii will never be at the level that Colt Brennan <laughs> once took them to in our lifetime ever again. When you get steamrolled at home by Vandy, you're in trouble. Listen, I know Timmy Chang in, in, inherited a mess there, but yep. that's really ugly. That's number one. You know, number two, that UCF team of six years ago, maybe they really were deserving of some national championship consideration since they went 13-0 and with Scott Frost as a coach. And we've seen what Frost, Frost can do these days. Uh, and the last thing is, we learned nothing about North Carolina and Florida State, and this is an important year for both. How do you open with Duquesne and, what, Florida A&M? Guys, you yep. see what some people are playing on Saturday. Get with the program. Let's, let's play some real football. Well, I'm all, I'm all for that. I think everybody needs to upgrade the schedule, and that's going to be a topic we're going to discuss down the road. I'll tell you what I learned, guys. The over-under I'm, – I'm, I'm learning all the lingo from Lucci. Okay, I'm learning the lingo now. The over-under on wins at Vanderbilt this season is 2.5. Well, after the aforementioned walloping of Hawaii at Hawaii, I think they're going to – I'm going to take the over. I think they got a chance. I'm sitting here – uh, looking at that game, those games they've got coming, uh, they've got they've got Vanderbilt, they've got Elon, they play Wake Forest, who doesn't have their quarterback. Right. They play Northern Illinois. I think they could yeah, win two of those three games. Yeah, don't count on Northern Illinois as a W. Northern Illinois is 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 better than advertised most years. I even covered them at an Orange Bowl, if you can believe that, when they got beat by. Jimbo and the Florida State Seminoles. 
I remember that team. I remember that team. I tell you, the, the other thing I'm looking forward to, and Mark, Mark brought it up, Georgia's 17-point favorite playing in Atlanta against Oregon. That sounds rich. When we get to the, the locksmiths section, Mr. Lucas, yeah, I'm going to ask him about that. But I'm anxious to see if Georgia is really that good. I think they are that good, and I think it's going to be very, very interesting. Can I so weigh in something on that, uh, Tony? Can absolutely. Okay, so here's what I did for you. Since I know you're an SEC guy, I went, I researched the past eight SEC national champions not named Alabama, okay, and what they did the following year. And only one of them won more than nine games. Ooh. A couple went five, LSU went five and five, Auburn eight and five, LSU 2007 to 2008, eight and five. So it's, it's going to be interesting, even though Georgia has Stetson Bennett back. And obviously, still as recruited well as a good defense. When you lose a, a record 15 players to the NFL draft, I am very curious to see how they respond to this. Alabama just wins no matter what. But it's very interesting that the eight past eight SEC national champions, not named Alabama, have struggled to get back to that 10 win level the year. That's after. a great. That's a great stat. That's a great stat. All right. Let's start with our hot topics that we do every week. Uh, I don't, can't imagine there is a hotter story right now than what in the wide, wide world of sports is going on at Nebraska. I mean, Blau, let me start with you. I mean, you lost the game. Okay, fine. But you lost the game. You onside kick with an 11-point lead. And then when it's all over, what do you do? You, you scored 28 points. Most of the time, that's, that's not too bad. You lose by a field goal, and what does he do? He throws his offense, talking about Scott Frost now, he throws his offense under the bus, including offensive coordinator Mark Whipple, who was supposed to be the savior. What in the world is going on at Nebraska? Well, I mean, he, he backed off that this week and apologized basically for what he said and, and said he meant no intention of uh, trashing any, any of his offensive coordinators and basically said Whipple's a, a good coach and they all have to work together. Well, what happened to me when I talked to some people out of Nebraska this week, it's it's very clear. He's always been the, the guy who's calling the plays his entire life, a quarterback, a coach. I mean, he's always done that. And all of a sudden, he's on the sideline, and he's got nothing to do. And it's like a kid who, who has lost his toys. He wants to play with toys. So he calls the onside kick because I'm the head coach. I can do it, and it backfired. And so so I don't, I don't know how he gets out of that, but, but he, now he's got himself in a hole deeper than he's ever had. You know, two points. I think, Blau, you're right. The onside kick, that told me that he didn't want to play the game the straight-up way. He he was that worried about North, Northwestern that he wanted to try and put the game away with a trick play. The other thing is, with all the talk about Nebraska's offense, 528 yards given up by the Nebraska defense. You know, and Northwestern is not, you know, any big machine on offense. They're, they're you know, that, that, those two things are really what were decisive in my mind. Tom Lucci, how can Nebraska, what was it, the black shirts back in, back in the day? How can Nebraska be bad on defense? <laughs> First of all, obviously bad coaching. You know, that has to be part of it. Bad recruiting, that has to be part of it. You know, they've always had to go outside to get their great players. I mean, they, their base obviously is in Nebraska, but to get some of their fill in those pieces, whether it's running back, uh, nose guard, wh whatever it is, they're, they're great pieces. We're always filled by outside. And, and again, I don't know, it's kind of ironic that the hot topic would be a guy named Frost, 
But, uh, you know, as I said, we'll see how good this USF team, uh, maybe we should go back and revisit how good that US UCF team was uh, six years ago first. Secondly, it'll be a damning indictment on Scott Frost if Adrian Martinez has a great year at Kansas State this year. Because oh, he, had four, he had four years with Adrian, Adrian Martinez, and all he got out of him were mistakes. All right, quick, quickly around the horn here. Quickly around the horn. Yes or no? Is it possible that Scott Frost might not survive the season? Mark Blousen, yes or no? Oh, very, very much so, yes. <laughs> Herb Gould, yes or no? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Tom Lucci, could, could, could we see a scenario where Scott Frost has let go before the season's over? Well, Tony, from what I understand, I've been reading October 1st, his buyout goes from $15 million to $7.5 million. So my, ah. answer would be, my answer would be yes. And, and, and Tony, one other thing, and today I just heard it, and you hear it again, and you hear it again. The first name I heard mentioned was our buddy from last week, Urban Myers. His name is already out there as a possible person to show up in Nebraska. I'm just saying. You know, let me just say one thing, guys. The thing you got to remember about Nebraska, and this was a big question when they flipped to the Big Ten, we said, well, that's great for them, you know, for a lot of ways. But one of the things they're doing is they're changing their recruiting tariff. And I don't know that they've ever adjusted to that. You know, when when um, they had their great teams in the 90s, as Tom mentioned, they were getting their skill guys from the West Coast yep. and, and from Texas. And now they come into the Big Ten and they don't really have the same way of recruiting those kind of players in the Big Ten. And they've never adjusted, you know, and also – since they came into the Big Ten, they've gone every which way but loose in, in coaching. You know, they went with Callahan, who was sort of out of nowhere. Right, Mike Riley was out of nowhere. They didn't like um, Bo Pelini, who was actually pretty solid and in hindsight was was fine. But he just, you know, he was kind of a Ron Zook guy for our SEC followers. He he did some curious things that that um, unsettled the the fan base. But Nebraska's got a whole lot of things to do, even beyond hiring a new coach. That is going to be interesting. Guys, a couple of things. As we were gathering to start doing this tonight, there's word being broke out. Ross Dellinger uh, is reporting that the presidents of the CFP, not the athletic directors, but the, I guess it's the management board and all that, they're going to meet by Zoom call on Friday. And they're going to discuss the possibility of going ahead and I'm doing two things. One is going ahead and coming up with a system for when this contract is over for the college football playoff. And this raises the possibility, just the possibility that we could have a college football, expanded college football playoff by 2024. Is it a situation, Mark Blauschen, where the presidents are finally saying, you know what, you athletic directors, you and your alliance and all that garbage, didn't get this done. We need the money, so we're going to go ahead and, and start working on it now. You mentioned the key word, Tony, money. I mean, the plan's already been placed. They, they, are, they, they had a 12-team 12, 12 playoff approved two I, years ago by those guys. So all they have to do is say yes to it. I mean, it's not like they have to redo it, the whole system. So now they look at it. It's two, it's two years later, uh, and there's lots of such things that have happened. The expansion is already it's, it's formulated. So now let's get, to, let's get the 12-team playoff system. And then that could happen by 2024, yeah, because, because money comes in. And think, think about this, Tom Lucci. Think about this. The reason the presidents are asserting their authority, just a theory, 
for the reason they're asserting their authority is now the money grab that the Big Ten and the SEC have done. They're separating themselves financially from the rest of college football. And the presidents say, we got to do something to generate more money, but we can't wait until 2026. Let's go do this now. Yeah, no question. But haven't we seen uh, from the past that when the presidents kind of meddle too much, that, that good, not good things tend to happen? Yep. I mean, there's been some instances where the presidents have gone on their own and meddled in college football and it didn't work out. But, I, you know, this is what we all want. Well, I shouldn't say all of us. This is what we want, I think, as a group. And I think the fans want this. So I'd be in favor of the presidents pushing this as much as possible. Well, I just think that with the amount of money that's going to be kicked into the rest of college, in the specifically in the Big Ten and the SEC, these are the presidents are saying, you know what, we got to we got to make a move, we got to make it now. Herb, I wanted to ask you about this because one of the things I'm looking forward to on Saturday, I'm interested to know what Notre Dame looks like under Marcus Freeman. Uh, he was a very popular choice with the players, well-respected, understand all that, but they're playing at Ohio State with a number 17, 17 and a half, whatever it is. But in your mind, Herb, what does Notre Dame look like under Marcus Freeman? Well, I think the talent is there. And as you said, I mean, he's doing all the right things in terms of putting together sort of a cohesive new program but you don't know until you get on the field. And we saw, you know, they had kind of a meltdown at the end of their bowl game where they, you know, kind of muffed a, an opportunity to make that a real feel-good debut by Freeman after Brian Kelly had gone to LSU. I guess the the answer is it's just a big question. Uh, we, we don't know, you know, these are two storied programs, and you know that, one of these fan bases is going to be wringing their hands after this game, regardless of, of the exact final outcome. But that said, you know, he's got, you got a, as, as I've written, you got a new coach and a new quarterback, and you're opening at Ohio State. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Indeed. What could possibly go wrong? Guys, here's another story that's, that's developing as we uh, gather here to, uh, for our podcast this week, and and it's this, and we we all of us predicted this was going to happen in previous conversations. The transfer portal window, until now, has been open 365 days a year. You can jump on it at any time. Well, the NCAA is getting ready to release probably pretty soon the fact that there are going to be two windows of opportunity for players, a total of 60 days. Okay, there'll be 60 days available. If you want to go, if you want to enter the transfer portal, the first one will be May 1st through May 15th, which will be right after spring practice. You come out of spring practice, you don't like where you are, you can enter the train. You got 15 days to enter the transfer portal. The other opening comes at the end of the regular season on the Sunday that the college football playoffs are meant are established. You got 45 days, which will take you through. Uh, early January. So what do we think? Her, uh, Mark, let me start with you. I, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing because coach, you had coaches who were working rosters all the time. This gives the players and the coaches a limited number of times, time that you can enter the transfer portal. I think it's a good thing. Well, I do too, Tony. And it had to be done 
and everyone that's that's the one thing everyone agreed on you can have you can have a transfer portal but let's have some limitations where there's going to be uh, you know an active period and, and then the rest of the year let them take what they have and build on what they have and and then when but obviously what, what it, it makes it makes that period from from december to 7th through uh uh the, the you know the 45 days even crazier than usual i mean because now you can have that plus the transfer portal plus recruiting Plus, that's when all the coaches, it's going to be like a Grand Central Station, you know, uh, Atlanta Airport for 45 days in college football transactions. It's going to be unbelievable. Yeah, it is, it is going to be something. But at least it's not open 365 no, that's, days. That's, that's the good part. Guys, I talked to a coach who was recruiting in December uh, on the road, and he gets a call from one of his, his top assistants saying so-and-so, who is one of the star players, is getting ready to enter the transfer portal. The coach had to quit recruiting the guy, get on a plane, back to campus, and talk this guy off the roof. It was It's that kind of stuff that's driving the coaches absolutely crazy. So uh, with that, Lex, guys, Mark, Herb, you guys take a little break because I'm going to visit with my favorite locksmith, Mr. Tom Lucci. Mr. Lucci is going to give us uh, – every week he's going to give us his top three games of the week. He'll give us two games, and then we'll get to his locksmith Lock of the week. First of all, Tom, give, give me a couple of games that you really like for this weekend and tell us why you like them. Well, I like Oregon getting 17 and a half against Georgia. Um, I, I know that's a tough assignment, but it, when we did our, our playoff final four, I had Oregon in there, so I kind of have to stick with them. I'm not saying they're going to win the game outright, but there's a couple of things going on. I, I, I like the fact that Dan Lanning knows the personnel of Georgia since mm -hmm. he was the defensive coordinator for the, what was one of the most uh, impressive defenses we've seen in quite a while. Uh, I, I think that's helpful. And I think the fact that Oregon can can control things, they have probably the best, well, I'm going to say a top five offensive line in the country. You know, so you have, you have that going on. And um, again, I, I just, you know, I, I, is it that much of a lack of respect for Oregon or is, are we over-respecting Georgia, I'm not sure yet, and I think that Oregon is one of the few teams in the Pac-12 that has a chance to go into SEC country and be competitive. So I like Oregon with 17 and a half. I, I think uh, the other thing is they have a quarterback now who has seen SEC defenses in Bo Nix. He knows what to expect. This is not going to be culture shock for Bo Nix. So I, I like all those factors combining, you know, to, to make it a more competitive game than it looks like by the spread. Well, I, I, I like Georgia in the game, obviously, but I think the set, that 17 and a half is really, really rich. But we'll, you know, we'll see. How many games have we saw that have hovered around being below the number and somebody picks up a fumble and gets a backdoor cover? This may end up being one of those. When, sure. uh, I mean, like I say, it's, it's a lot of points to give to a, a team that uh, has top 10 potential. So uh, even on the road, even at, in Georgia country. So what's what's your other game you like? I, you you were nice enough to send me a note. Syracuse. Yeah, yeah I like I like Louisville in that. I love speed. Louisville's loaded with speed. They're giving three and a half. Louisville's loaded with speed. It's indoors. It's not the Carrier Dome anymore. It's the uh, it's some wireless dome. <laughs> Something it's named after a phone company now. It's not the, uh, the oh, Carrier man. Dome that we've known for thirty years probably. Um, but yeah, I, I think it plays well indoors, Louisville, for what they have. The other thing too is Tony. I like when the when my team has the, that I'm that I'm picking has the best player on the field, and that best player on the field is going to be Malik Cunningham. 
the quarterback for Louisville. So right. um, we're not sure about the Garrett Schrader yet. The you know uh, the Mississippi State transfer was the quarterback for Syracuse. Doesn't look like he can throw the ball. So to me, and, and listen, Syracuse has a great running back as well. But to me, it looks like Syracuse is one dimensional on offense. And I think Louisville can score a lot of points, especially indoors. And with Malik Cunningham coming off a year where I think he combined for uh, 39 touchdowns, passed for 3,000 yards, rushed for 1,000. Uh, he's a special player. And indoors, that really plays well in my mind. Interesting, interesting pick. And your locksmith lock of the week is what? The Arkansas Razorbacks at home doing six and a half to Cincinnati. This is going to be a little bit of a culture shock, I think, for Cincinnati. Not so much playing an SEC team, but life without Desmond Ritter. I mean, he, he got yep. into two straight undefeated regular seasons. He was more than just a great quarterback for them. He was a great leader. Um, you know, they lost, uh, they lost their star cornerback to the for, for top four picks in the NFL draft. They lost Mike Ford, their leading rusher. This is a rebuilding job for Luke Fickle. And as you know, maybe the most under-the-radar team in the country was Arkansas going 9-4 and four last year. Yep. I don't think people appreciated that enough. The fact that they played Alabama to what a touchdown game. One of their yep. losses was a good loss, I think, to Mississippi. Uh, maybe another uh -oh. one was, well, yep. yeah. And then, and they also lost to Georgia. And they have KJ Jefferson back. And I think we saw KJ Jefferson start to evolve to become a star. You know, he he can be a quality quarterback in the SEC. And the fact that they went four and four in the SEC West, which is the best division in college football, Tony. I think it bodes well for an Arkansas team that looks like it's. It's uh, trending upward under Sam Pittman. I, I like them at home, and I like the fact that they're catching Cincinnati where they got they have some huge, and I mean huge, personnel replacements. Well, and here's the here's, I think that number is way too low. That six and a half, you, you need to jump all over that because you mentioned KJ Jefferson, but uh, you know Barry Odom, defensive coordinator, who used to be the head coach at Missouri, did an incredible job. They 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 got first they got a player with the best name in college football, Bumper Pool. All right, so that alone should make them make them win at home. Uh, and and you know I talk to Arkansas people all the time. They are so excited about what Sam Pittman has done there sure. because now they look around and go, you know what? That's our guy. You know, Bobby Trino wasn't our guy. Houston Nutt wasn't our guy. This is our guy, and uh, he is universally beloved by those players. So I, I, I like them. I a lot of people like Texas A&M in the, in the second spot behind Alabama in the SEC West. I really like Arkansas. I think, I think they're that good. Two things. They did a good job in the transfer, transfer portal. They plugged some keyholes, especially on defense. It's number one. Number two, they play that funky 4-2-6 a lot because they're loaded up with defensive backs so on defense. So uh, that's something Cincinnati may not have seen. And when you come in with a new quarterback into an SEC school, it's tough, Tony. It's I, tough. I have been there. Kendall Bryles is the offensive coordinator at Arkansas. He has done a tremendous yeah. job uh, with K.J. Jefferson. So that is something to watch. Hey, guys, I'm going to bring you all in on some of these, these other games. First of all, Lucci, I've got to know, I don't know when the last time the Gators were an underdog at home against a non-conference team. They've been an underdog at home in the SEC. But for Utah, I know they got to fly across the country. I get all of that. But that number really intrigues me. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, let's look at it this way, too, Tony. In general, 
it's kind of a telling opening week for the SEC. You have Utah, Florida. You know, let's see how good Georgia is against Oregon. And then you have Cincinnati and Arkansas. Those are that, you know, this is not, uh, you know, North Carolina playing Florida A&M. These are, these are real games. So I think we're going to know a little bit about some of these SEC teams right off the bat. I, listen, well, to me, Kyle Winningham is, again, we talk about under the radar guys, one of the best coaches in the country. Just doesn't get the you know, because he's in Utah. You know, you can say SEC, but it's even more telling, I think, guys, for, for the Pac-12. I mean, we, our, our late great friend Chris Dufresne would be, sitting here saying, wait a minute, we got Utah and Oregon going across the country. If they were able to be successful in those games, that would make a very loud and surprising mm -hmm. statement for the West Coast uh, Conference. It'll also be a big pop if they lose. They'll both be out of the race by before Labor Day. Well, yeah, but that's that's a thing. They gave themselves a pretty tough draw, but they, it's you know it's a, a high-risk reward, I guess. Yeah, it is. I like the fact well, that they try I think I think particularly Utah, Utah, and uh, Utah, and uh, if Utah and Oregon are in a situation where let, let's say they do lose, but it comes down, but the but the one of them goes undefeated the rest of the way and wins the Pac-12 championship, and they're sitting there at 11, 12, and one with one loss either to a Georgia or a Florida. I, I think you can make the case that maybe they get in in that fourth spot. I, th I think that is an incredible game to watch. This is the one that I got to share with you guys. North Carolina going, going to Appalachian State, up just up the I-40 in Boone, North Carolina, and North, North Carolina is only given a point and a half. I'll tell you what, if I'm Coach Mac Brown, when I took the job, I walk into my athletic director's office going, what in the hell are you doing scheduling Appalachian State on the road? I did find out, though. It's a two-for-one. They'll play two home games in Chapel Hill, play one in Boone. That way you get away with not having to pay a guarantee to the visiting team. So that is the bit. What about it, Mark Blauschen? Does Mac Brown have a case? Why are you sending me? Miami went up to Boone several Miami years did ago. Too, and oh, they won. But when I saw that game, I saw that game when it was scheduled that year, and I said, Exactly what you said. What are they doing playing at Appalachian State? What is it? How does that happen? I mean, I, you know, a two for one, I understand. All. But again, for, for North Carolina, Matt Brown, there's no, it's risk reward. There's no reward for Matt for, for Carolina winning. Zero. I mean, everyone can say, well, okay, you beat Appalachian State, big deal. If they lose, it becomes a headline again. So, so why would you do the game? Well, you know, I wonder, I, I'm not familiar with the particulars on this situation, but I've seen that before where state legislators kind of get involved in, in those kind of in-state situations. So I don't know if that's the case here, but that would certainly, uh, that would go a long way toward answering the question you're asking. Mr. Lucy, what about Indiana, Illinois? That, that game, what's that, a three-point game? Three, three? I'd have to look it up for you, Connie. I have the sheet here. Yeah, that, that sounds right. And, and I'll just jump in yes. here. I mean, what Illinois did on, on Saturday against – Wyoming, admittedly, it's Wyoming, but Wyoming is, you guys know more about them maybe than I do, but, you know, for Illinois to be that competent in what they're doing, they got a strong running game, a decent defense, this quarterback, as we, we know from uh, Blau's Newsmaker of the Week, um, is really, you know, there, there's just a lot going on there, and I, I you know, I, I think Illinois is going to be okay, actually, I misspoke, the uh, Northwestern lad is 
the newsmaker of the week, not DeVito, the Syracuse kid at Illinois. But Indiana, I mean, there's kind of a, a coach watch there. You know, after the Scott Frost, um, Allen at Indiana is the next guy on the list, I believe. And to know it's two games, Tony, we should make note of this since we won't get to them till next week. You got Florida State at LSU on Monday. Yeah. And you get Clemson at Georgia Tech also on Monday, I think. Absolutely. Con- conference game, Clemson and Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech in a, a big year for Jeff Collins. He needs something good to happen. But Clemson's trying to bounce back from a disastrous, air quotes, 10-3 season. So what do you so, make of Florida, Florida State LSU? I'm surprised by that. I'm surprised by that number. Okay, that it's only three. Florida State, Florida State is, is sort of lost in the wilderness right now. Mike Norvell needs to get it turned around this year, uh, or I think that there's going to be some problems there. LSU, I, I think the hiring of Brian Kelly is a, a really a good one. He will have a very athletic roster. Because, look, guys, the problems at LSU had nothing to do with players. All right, They had players. They've always had players. And so I'm anxious to see – with Kelly, how Kelly manages this. I just thought that number was uh, kind of low, but that's uh, that's intriguing. I think Clemson beats Georgia Tech, and I think they beat them beat handily. And the com- conversation starts about Jeff Collins and whether or not he's going to make the season. I think that is interesting. Okay, guys, that's a good segment. I appreciate that. Let's wrap up. Let me share this with you. Now, we've scored our touchdown. Let's finish up the show with an extra point from Mr. CFB. Now, early in my career, guys, one of my mentors told me that in this job, you can't pull for teams. You just can't do it. But under the right set of circumstances, you can pull for people. And so, friends, I'm telling you right now, I'm pulling for the players at Auburn. I mean, just think about what those kids have gone through. After a total collapse at the end of last season, they started 5-2 and and just totally collapsed. After that, there was there was nothing. It was nothing less than a palace coup to try to get rid of Brian Harson after just one season. The Auburn, some of the boosters really got involved, and, and it didn't work. It embarrassed Auburn, and now Harson's back. But you know what? Barring any kind of a great season, there's no way he comes back for a third season. And then it was announced later on in the week that Alan Green, the athletic director who hired Brian Harson is on his way out. He's resigned under pressure, and now they're going to look for an athletic director. And so now the football program, which is, by the way, they're paying they're paying Gus Malzahn $21 million to coach somewhere else like UCF. Now they're going to look for a coach after the season is over and maybe, maybe before. We don't, we don't know. So here's the deal. After talking to the Auburn players at SEC Media Days, they were here in Atlanta, talking to the Auburn players, it's pretty clear that they did not buy in to what was going on last year. Now they've bought in. They've seen the way that their coach has been treated, and they've rallied behind their coach. And Auburn, but the problem is they've rallied behind the coach, but Auburn plays in the SEC West. It's the most unforgiving division in the most unforgiving conference in all of college football. So the Tigers, here's the deal about Auburn, keep in mind. Auburn plays their first five games all at home. Got Penn State in the mix, okay? They play LSU on the back end of that. Maybe they could get off to a a fast start 
and have they end up having that special season and he keeps his job. But I kind of doubt it. Good luck, fellas. I think you're going to need it. <laughs> and that's our extra point with Mr. College Football. Now, before we go, want to thank everybody again. want to thank our sponsor, APA Games. You can find them at apbagames.com. Please remember our website, TMG College Sports. We're under the si.com umbrella, si.com slash college slash TMG. And again, a lot of good stuff. We all During the course of the week, Mark Blauschen's Newsmaker of the Week is there right now. Check it out. I want to thanks to our technical staff, David Amaral in San Antonio, Sheila Dufresne and Maria Barnhart. These ladies keep us out of trouble, and we're not on the air without David and these ladies, so we appreciate it. Folks, have a great first full Saturday of college football. Remember that it's the game is fun. For Mark Blauschen, Herb Gold, and Tom Lucci, carry on. <laughs>